Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning. Good to be here. Welcome to those of you who are watching online. As always, thank you for tuning in both near and far. And as always, if you are near, uh, we would love for you to join us here in person at Coastal. Man, uh, what, a, what a great thing just to get to witness people uh, raising to new life in Christ uh, through baptism. Amazing things are happening here at Coastal, and uh, I am just humbled and honored to be a part of it. And uh, the, the other announcement that we want to emphasize this morning is that Easter Sunday is now less than a month away, actually Easter weekend, because we have six services over three days, Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday, and we want you to be a part of it, but most importantly, we want you to reach out to friends and family and neighbors and invite them to come, and uh, we got a lot of tools to help you do that. Uh, There are tickets uh, just like this and little invite cards that are right stationed right out here on the table as you exit these doors, so pick them up. And uh, then we have all these uh, really cool yard signs, easteratcoastal.com. And uh, we want you to take them, uh, put them in your yard, uh, mainly just strategically place them all around town. Uh, High traffic areas, intersections, uh, just places that people congregate, that people go where they can be seen. But wherever you put your sign, uh, make sure you own your sign. And uh, that, that as soon as Easter is over, you go back and pick it up because we recycle them because all we do is just advertise easteratcoastal.com and then they get all the information uh, that they might need. So make sure you pick those up today. It is time. It's time to start strategically placing them. Now all of that is just uh, air support for the ground troops. You guys are the ground troops, okay? So what that means is, you know, when we send out postcards, I talked to a, a person today who said, hey, they're here at Coastal because they got a little postcard in the mail. But postcards, tickets, uh, social media ads, yard signs, that's all just air support for you as the ground troop when you just start reaching out to people that you know, inviting them to come, uh, telling them about our church. Our goal this year is to see 2,000 people in person over those six services. But for that to happen, um, it's going to take an invitation uh, from you. So uh, join us in doing that. And the other thing I want to challenge you with this morning is serving serving. Raise your hand if you've been blessed in serving here at Coastal in some way, shape, or form. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Look at all these servants. Now, there's a bunch of you that haven't served. Guess what? You, you, would you like your life to be blessed, to eternally uh, make an impact in the lives of other people? Then it's all about, Jesus said, that you find life by giving your life away. We don't want to guilt you or shame you into serving. I want to grace you into it. And so I want to consider, I want you to consider today the possibility of serving, beginning to volunteer here on Sunday morning. Coastal kids, uh, first impressions, security, cafe. Listen, lives are being changed here, and you get to be a part of it. So on the back of that Connect card, on the top right corner, it says, I would like to volunteer to serve. And then you can circle something, and then we will follow up with you. And if you're a parent that drops off, a parent or grandparent drops off a kid in Coastal Kids, Hey, serve over there. Man, they would love to have you. Beginning Easter Sunday, from that day forward, we got three services. And so we need volunteers. But don't do it again out of guilt or shame. Do it out of love. Do it out of grace. 
So lives are being changed here, and we get to be a part of it. Now, today, we wrap up this series we've been in for a little while called Relationship Rescue. Now, the idea for the series is that every relationship, everyone, can use some help from time to time. Now, why? Why is that true? Well, because every relationship is composed of two very imperfect people, you and, and the other person, right? Me. Um, every relationship faces problems. Now, here's the truth about all of us in this room, every single person. We are all like that, um, that beat-up vehicle that's used, that's on a car lot, that's marked as what? As is, right? Uh, we're all as is. We're, we're all like those, uh, those clothes on a certain rack at a clothing store, and they're marked slightly what? Irregular. Slightly irregular. In fact, turn to the person next to you this morning and say, you're irregular, okay? Now, depending on what you ate last night, that might be a little strange. I don't know. Anyway, um, but so what do we do? I mean, as irregular as is people, what do we do? How do we make it? Well, Romans 15, 7 says this. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So the question is, how has Jesus accepted you? Are you ready for this? This is awesome. As is. As is, with all your irregularities, no strings attached. He has accepted you. And by the way, we do too. We do too. Now, here's the sad reality, though. One out of every two, two-point-something marriages today are going to end in divorce. Half of all marriages statistically will fail. And get this, the numbers are even higher for second marriages, people who lived together before marriage, and for children of divorce. They're higher. Now, no matter how you slice it, the statistics today are not in your favor. So here's my question, and this is the question that I ask all couples that I meet with before I marry them. What are you going to do differently than everybody else? How are you going to make it? And I've said this next phrase uh, several times during this series, but I believe it. If you want the same results that everybody else is getting today, you just keep doing what everybody else is doing. And I think that's true in all relationships. You know, do you, do you honestly want the same results that most people are experiencing in dating today? Well, then just keep dating like everybody else. You know, keep going to the bars, lower your standards. Who cares if they have a relationship with Jesus, you know? Sleep around. I mean, it's working so well for so many people, just keep doing it. Do you honestly want the same results that most people today are settling for in marriage? Then you just keep doing what most married people do. Neglect each other. Who needs a date night? Put your career first. You know, do you, do you want the same kind of home that you see in most families today? Then you just keep doing what most families do. You know, make your children the focus of your home. Don't discipline them. Be their friend first. Who cares how much screen time they have? Make sports and travel ball a priority over church and, and youth group. 
Listen, I'll be honest with you. I really don't know how people make it today in relationships or in marriage or in parenting without Jesus Christ. Because in Christ, God meets our greatest needs that are most vital to healthy relationships. And I want to talk about three of them today. You see, at some point, In every relationship, every marriage, in every home, you are going to need a power greater than yourself to make it. At some point, you're going to need a roadmap to help you find your way. You know, think about it. How do you keep loving unconditionally when it gets hard? How do you keep serving and giving when you don't feel like it and the other person doesn't respond the way you want them to? How are you going to deal with all of the baggage that people bring into a relationship and a marriage? You see, when you started dating or when you got married, listen to me, you are not a blank slate. You weren't, you know, two separate individual acorns joining together to form this new beautiful oak tree from scratch. That's a lie. The truth is, here's the truth. You bring all the nuts, all the nut jobs from your family tree combined with all the nuts from their family tree to form this new one. That's the truth. You, you both carry the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups from your previous relationships and from your family into this new one. And, and here's the reality, guys. The more pain, the more hardship that you had growing up in your family or maybe previous relationships, the more baggage that you're going to carry into this one. And the more problems there are that you're going to have to solve and resolve. You see, marriage doesn't create problems. It reveals them. It reveals them. You know, it shows the areas of your life that you need to work on. You know, sometimes your spouse is nothing more than heavenly sandpaper in your life. You know, in in many ways, your family, your previous marriage, um, it sets you up both for success and failure. You know, maybe your parents or that boyfriend or girlfriend or that first spouse in your past, maybe they were over-controlling. Maybe they didn't pay attention to you. Maybe they didn't affirm you. But for whatever reason, in your past, you now have some resentments, some hurt. And then you come into a marriage, and anytime your spouse even remotely reminds you of that thing, that you hated so much, you know, in a parent or a previous relationship, whether it was, you know, controlling or domineering, wouldn't listen, whatever it was. I mean, and it could be, it could be a hundred different things. You now tend to take that anger from the past, which you haven't yet resolved, and you turn it and you focus it on the person you now say you love the most. And that unsuspecting person is going, whoa, where did that come from? You know, how in the world did, you know, this volcano reaction come out of this little thing? Because they're not reacting to that. They're not just reacting to that. 
They're reacting to how it reminds them of all the unresolved stuff in their past. Does that make sense? So, those of you who are single, I beg you, you know, before you even consider dating or marriage, you have got to deal with your past. You know, don't, don't carry the guilt or the grief or the grudges that you have, that you've experienced into another relationship or, or worse yet, into a marriage. I'm telling you, if you do that, you are setting yourself up for failure, for disaster. You've got you to gotta deal with all those unresolved issues. And then, when you do hurt each other, What's your response going to be? How are you going to handle it? Now again, the truth is, because we're all imperfect, because we're sinners, because we're selfish, we hurt each other. We do. And the person who has the greatest potential to hurt you is the person that you love the most. Now, that right there leads us to the first of at least three of the greatest needs that I want us to talk about today that God meets, that he meets in our life in Christ. Here's number one, forgiveness. Forgiveness has got to be a daily, daily habit and experience in your marriage and in relationships. Marriages today need massive doses of forgiveness. Why? Again, because we're imperfect. And if you're going to hold on to your hurts in marriage, if you hold on to those mistakes, if you won't let it go, and if you don't forgive, then those wounds are going to fester, they're going to get worse, Satan is going to step right in, and it's going to create division, and you're headed for disaster. If you are holding on to a grudge, and if you are using something that happened in the past as leverage, you're holding it over your spouse, you, you are the one who is destroying your marriage. Now think about that for a second. Why in the world would anybody ever do that? Why would anybody hold on to hurt intentionally? I mean, it doesn't feel good. You know, when you're full of resentment, it hurts you more than it hurts the other person. Typically, they're oblivious to it. They've gone on with life. So why do people do that? Why do they hold on to unforgiveness in their heart? I'll tell you why. To soothe their own guilt and to use it as ammunition to soothe their own guilt, and to use it as ammunition. Now, in many people's minds, you got this scale, okay? What I've done wrong and what you've done wrong. And I don't want to feel guilty, so the way I balance my guilt is I keep bringing up and blaming you for your stuff. You know, when they say, hey, you know, you did this, well, then you can say, yeah, but you did that and this, and this, and this. And you try to justify everything by holding on to that as ammunition. Listen, I am begging you today, forgive. Let it go. Nothing will destroy a relationship faster in your life than unforgiveness. Now, there's three little words that we can all learn to say in a relationship that are so powerful. It's not a blank on your outline, but I promise you, you, you need to write this down. I was wrong. I was wrong. There's something powerful about that. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember 
the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Relationships are not going to make it without a large daily dose of forgiveness. In real life, you got real issues and real problems. And because of that, you're going to have disagreements. And on top of that, we say and do hurtful things. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now again, how in the world are you going to find the power to do that? To forgive people who've hurt you? Where do you find, you know, the strength, uh, you know, to do that? Not in yourself. You find the power for that through a personal relationship with Christ. You know, when you look and focus and realize just how much Jesus has forgiven you, you have the strength to forgive others. You know, when I realize just how patient God is with me, I have the strength to be patient with that toddler or that teenager or that spouse. You know, when you... When you focus on the fact that Jesus went to the cross for me, he willingly sacrificed his life for me just because he loves me. You find the strength, the power to sacrifice for somebody else to serve others when they don't deserve it. Jesus told an interesting story in Matthew 18 of this king uh, who's owed a lot of money. And the king decided to call in all the debts of the people who, are, you know, who owed him money and uh, make them pay. So the very first guy the king brings in is this guy who literally owes him millions and millions of dollars. The the guy comes before the king and the king says, you owe me millions. It is time to pay up. And the guy basically says, I I don't have it. I don't have the money. And so the king says, I'm going to have you, your wife, your children, everything you have sold. You're going to be sold into slavery. The guy just falls on his knees and he just begs the king and says, oh king, be patient with me, I, I, I will, I will pay it all back. And the king, the Bible says, filled with pity for him, releases him, forgives him of his entire debt. He says, don't worry about paying me back, you are set free. Well, the man who was in debt who's been set free, he leaves the king, leaves the palace, he's walking down the street, and he sees some guy who owes him you know, a few thousand dollars. And he goes up to him and he grabs him by the throat and demands his money. And the guy who owes him a few thousand falls down in front of the guy who had just been cleared, remember, of millions. And he just begs. He says, be patient with me. I promise I'm going to do my best. I'm going to pay it back. And he has the man, that man, and his wife and his children all thrown into prison. So word gets back to the king. Very upset. Matthew 18, 32 through 35. Listen to this. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man into prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Now, the story ends there, but then Jesus continues with something very interesting and very strong. He says, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. 
Wow. You know, in other words, by, by choosing not to forgive, he's saying it's just like you are putting yourself in your own self-imposed prison of torture and pain and torment, and one day it will be real. And he says it's going to continue to manifest itself in all kinds of, of negative consequences, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, until you forgive. Forgiveness is the key that sets you free. And when you do that, God says, I can miraculously, if you let me, bring something good, even out of the pain that you've experienced, and set you free from that prison. Listen, I see it week in and week out here at Coastal. Many of you, so many of you today are walking miracles. I mean, I'm constantly amazed um, as a pastor to hear some of the painful situations of the people in our church, what you've gone through, what you've experienced. And listen, I don't know. I don't know what purpose God might bring out of that situation. But I do know that it's through forgiveness and through taking those next steps that God can bring purpose out of pain. Our God can bring ministry out of misery. He can bring healing out of hurts. That's the miracle of forgiveness. One of our deepest needs, personally, as an individual, but also in relationships. Now, not only does God give us the power to, uh, to forgive, he meets two more of our greatest needs that I want us to talk about. And I'm going to give you both of these together. So write them down. Number two, security and significance. Security and significance. Now, here's a good definition of security. Security is an awareness of being unconditionally and totally loved. Okay? If you're taking notes, write that down. An awareness of being unconditionally and totally loved. So here's a good definition of significance. Significance is the realization that I am valuable and I'm worthwhile. A realization that I am valuable and worthwhile. Now, those two basic needs are so important that if somebody lacks either one, he or she is unable to completely function effectively in relationships. Security, being unconditionally and totally loved, is, generally speaking, of greater importance to women and significance, the realization that I am valuable and worthwhile is, generally speaking, of greater importance to men. Now, don't misunderstand me, though. Both of them are important for all of us. But our most basic problem is, especially in relationships and in marriage, is that we typically look to the wrong source, the wrong source for our security and significance. We try to find it in, in other people, you know, our, our careers, money, stuff, children. Now, okay, so if we if we're, aren't able to find our foundational security and significance in any of those things, including our marriage, then where do we find it? Your primary source can only be met through a personal relationship with God. Your, your core needs can only be met through a relationship with God. 
And we've been emphasizing that week in and week out throughout this series. You know why? Why do you think the Bible says so much about God's unconditional love for us? If it's not to build a, uh, into us a sense of security. You know, we are loved, loved by a love that is freely given, that can't be earned, that can never be lost. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Why do you think the Bible says so much about the fact that God is our creator, that he's active in our lives from the very moment of conception, that he has gifted us, that he has plans for you, that he has a purpose for your life, if it's not just to give you a basic sense of significance. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Because he loves us unconditionally and is the only one who can love us this way, he truly is our only real source of security. And because he created you and gifted you and called you to serve him, your basic significance and self-worth are found in him. But what does Satan come along and do? Well, in our search for security and significance, he whispers in your ear, God doesn't love you. Who do you think you are? You know, you could never be good enough. You can't please God or anybody else for that matter. Who do you think you are? You deserve punishment. You know, you are who you are. You can't change. You're hopeless. So here, maybe this relationship will fill that void. Sex. It'll make you feel better about yourself. Money, food, power. Just, just chase after those things. Work yourself to death. Take another drink and another and another. Sleep with somebody else. Do another line. Take another pill. Fill that void. Listen, the consequences of not really understanding our security and our significance in Christ are almost too many to name. I mean, it affects every area of our lives. I really believe this. I mean, you name a problem, and most likely, at its root, is this issue. Maybe you're a student or a young adult who is struggling with, with loneliness and low self-esteem, so much so that you even cut yourself screaming out for love and acceptance. Don't you see what's happened? You have believed a lie about yourself. Satan, the father of lies, he has deceived you because the God of all creation, the God of this universe, he loves you. You were created in the image of that God and you are a child of the king. Maybe you're a single adult who lives for the weekend, going from relationship to relationship, desperately looking for love, so much so that you're willing to substitute sex for love for just a few fleeting moments of feelings, of, of satisfaction. Listen, you are searching for significance and security, and you're trying to find it in ways that will never satisfy. 
alcoholism, drug addiction, same thing. You have believed a lie. And you're desperately trying to fill the God-sized hole in your heart with something that will not last. You see, friends, these truths can make such an incredible impact in your life and in your relationships. If I know, if I know that I know that I know that I am secure, that I am significant, then I'm free to love people without building up those walls of protection to avoid being hurt. Nothing anybody can do or say can destroy who God has created me to be. My security, my significance. If I am secure and significant and I am single, then I'm not desperately searching for anybody to meet a basic human need that I have that they can't meet in the first place. So our most basic responsibility then in the family, as parents, in a Christian marriage, you know what it is? Simply become reinforcers of the security and significance that ultimately can only come from God. And if that security and significance was not reinforced in the home or the family that you grew up in, and more importantly, you have not yet found it in a personal relationship with God, you're bringing into this relationship an awful lot of baggage and you're not gonna be happy or fulfilled. You know, once we believe and understand that our security and significance come from God, we're free to reach out and love others. Now, while it's true that our basic needs for security and significance are only met through a relationship with God, again, it's also true that God uses us as people, as husbands, as wives, as parents, and as the church, by the way, to be reinforcers of that unconditional love, that personal worth. While we can't ultimately meet someone's you know, greatest needs of security and significance, we can help create that environment where those needs can be discovered and, and be reminded of and, and be met. Ultimately, and unfortunately, a lot of people are not reinforcers, but rejectors of what God wants to do in your spouse's life. You see, we're so, we get so wrapped up in our own feelings and our own needs that a lot of times we don't even consider the needs of the people around us, the people that we say we love the most. Listen to Ephesians 5.33. This is interesting. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Love and respect. Circle those two words, love and respect. Sounds an awful like what? Security and significance. In other words, I'm called to serve Janet by modeling God's concern for her deepest needs rather than manipulating her to fit into my agenda. And she's to do the same for me. A man's primary need is for significance, and that need is ultimately met through a growing relationship with Christ. But then God uses the wife's respect to reinforce a man's significance. A woman's primary need is for security, and God meets that need through a personal relationship with himself. But then God uses a husband's love to reinforce a wife's security. I want to close by saying this. I seriously don't know how people make it today. 
in relationships without Christ. I don't. He gives you a power that's not your own to meet our greatest needs, forgiveness, security, significance. Let me ask you today, what would your relationships look like without Jesus? What would they look like without a power greater than your own? Maybe a better question for some of you is this. What could your relationships look like with Jesus? The greatest thing you can do for your marriage, your family, and your relationships is to put Jesus right at the center. How do you do that? You first invite him into your life. I mean, again, think about it. Your greatest need as a human being, it is forgiveness. Jesus came as a savior to save you from your sins. He meets that need. And then your greatest needs are security, significance, love, and value. You find all of that in a personal relationship with Christ. And you can have it today. What are you waiting for? What could your life be like? What could your relationships be like with Jesus right at the center? Ask him. Ask him. Just humbly bow the knee, admit who you are, and pour your heart out to him. That's called confession and repentance. It's turning away from your sin and turning toward Christ. I'll walk you through that right now in a prayer. And I wanna pray for our families and our relationships today as we close this series. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that in him you give us a power greater than our own, that you meet our greatest needs of, of forgiveness and security and significance. And if you are here today and Jesus is not in your heart, that, that you've not asked Jesus to be both your Savior and your Lord, to put him at the center of all things in your life, listen, you can do it right now. What are you waiting on? What could your life be like? What could your eternity look like? What could your relationships be like? If you took this next step, just cry out to God, Father, I admit it. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I have blown it. And I believe today, I believe that one has been provided. It's your son, Jesus. And I ask him today to come into my life, to forgive me of my sin, to be my Savior and to be my Lord, to put him right at the center of all things. And from this day forward, I just want to become, day by day, more like you see me now. Forgiven, perfect, brand new and clean. Becoming, day by day, more like Jesus. And Father, today I pray for all the relationships represented in this room. Uh, for those who are watching will hear this. You know, maybe you already are a believer. But if you're honest with yourself and honest with each other, Jesus has really not been at the center of all things. Come back home. Turn to him today. God, I pray for a blessing of all these relationships. It's difficult today. But in Christ, we can be the family, the marriage, you know, the relationships that you want us to have. 
We pray today that they would all bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.